fellowship, Lord, to bring confession of sin, to bring teaching, to bring your word, Lord. I pray that your spirit will be here with us. Thank you for your grace. Please renew our minds and transform us. All right. Hey, friends. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the final table of the semester. Isn't that, I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Aww. It is wild that we have been meeting together all semester, every single Tuesday. And while we have fun events to come, it's not just like completely over. This is the last like normal table. And all semester we've been going on this journey to know God deeper. We started out in the book of Hosea, where we heard about this story of this guy who got told by God to marry a prostitute, right? And the whole, the whole storyline is that that is supposed to be a living example of what it was like for God to experience being in a relationship with the Israelites. These people that are trapped in generational cycles of sin and infidelity and brokenness. And then we connected the dots from the Israelites to us, and we got to see that we are not very different from that at all. And yet, throughout that story, all we saw was God's relentless love for us. And we started to unpack this feel-good side of grace. And then we moved into this series called The Other Side of Grace, where the last few weeks we've been seeing this multi-dimensional grace of God that reaches into these dark, messy corners of our soul and demands change from us. We read Jesus' words in Matthew, where he declares these woes over the religious leaders at the time, where he's exposing their hypocrisy, their shallow invitations, their lack of humility, their burdensome religious restrictions that they were creating for themselves, and ultimately exposing the fruitlessness of their lives. We've talked about a lot this semester, but everything we've covered has been about one God. The same God from Hosea to Matthew, the same God relentlessly pursuing us in love and calling out our sin. We've been on this journey to know God deeper. And tonight, we are going to end with what our response of actually knowing God looks like. Tonight, we're going to hear from Jesus about the actual place where we start if you truly want to live this actually transformed life that we've been talking about. I've heard a lot of you want to go deeper. You want to grow in your faith. You want to actually experience God and be transformed because you've met Jesus. I've heard from some of you that you're kind of on the fence about going all in and you don't really know what that looks like. Tonight, I am going to give you all the answer. And the answer is very straightforward. It doesn't actually take a lot of time or explanation because it's so simple. And it's so simple that most of the time we completely get it backwards. We completely miss it. So tonight, I want to give you the starting point. I want to give you this challenge, 
and I think it is going to be really impactful. So will you all pray with me? God, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you draw near to us. God, I pray that these words would not just be mine, but that your Holy Spirit would move throughout this message, that your Holy Spirit would be in this room, that it would wander around convicting and encouraging where needed. God, I just invite your spirit into this space. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, if y'all have your Bibles, we are in Matthew 23 still. We are going to be in verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, for you have neglected the, but you have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Jesus is still talking to these same religious leaders, and he's still giving them all of these woes. He's exposing them of all these areas where they are just completely missing the point. But this time, Jesus actually tells us what the point is. So Jesus is acknowledging that they're doing something right. They're giving 10%, a tenth of everything that they have. They're tithing meticulously. And so what's the problem? Well, they're doing the task of the law while completely missing the point of the law. The point of the law, if you remember, is to point to how holy God is, to show what it looks like to be in a holy God-centric community with one another. The point was to create this community that looked different from the surrounding communities and the surrounding empires because this community would be built on justice and mercy and love and faithfulness. And so their tithing, while the act of tithing was good, their intention behind the good thing, the right thing, was super wrong. Their intention was to kind of put on this outward show as a way to soothe over the guilt of, of the fact that they were internally missing the point completely. So I want to ask you this. For you, have you been feeling like maybe you're doing all of the right things? but that you're not feeling changed, or you're not feeling or experiencing God, or you're not feeling different. Maybe you've been reading your Bible, you've been showing up to Wesley events, you're going to church, you're trying to pray more, and yet you're just not feeling different. Could it be that maybe you're neglecting the actual point of these things? Well, what are the point of these things? Jesus goes on in verse 25. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees. First you clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. This is very straightforward. Sometimes Jesus is really confusing, honestly, and sometimes he is crystal clear. The Pharisees are so concerned about how everything looks. They're so concerned about doing the right thing. They're doing so much to try to cultivate a righteous looking outward life. And they're completely neglecting the fact that their internal world is just a straight up dumpster fire. 
our internal world is the actual point. So what do I mean by that? What is the internal world all about? God cares infinitely more about your heart, your soul, and your mind more than anything your life produces or appears to be like. God cares infinitely more about your heart, your soul, and your mind more than anything your life produces or appears like. Why? Why? Why does God care more about our internal world than all these right things that we could do with our life? Jesus goes on in verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So again, for us, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But back in this time, Jewish tradition had a custom where they would whitewash the tombs before the Passover to ensure that people wouldn't accidentally bump against them and become ceremonially unclean. And what Jesus is saying here, it's harsh. He is saying to these, to these leaders, to these people who have dedicated their lives to this, he's saying, you are exactly like those tombs. We're on the outside. It's beautiful, it's pretty, but on the inside, there's nothing but death. Why does God care more about our hearts? Why does God care more about our internal worlds? Because God doesn't want us to be dead. God wants us to experience life. This isn't new information. If you want to talk about the same God and the same grace, this message is all throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, there's this prophet Micah, and in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? O oh, mortal, he has shown you what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God said this to the Israelites, Jesus said this to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and the same message is still being said to us today. What is required of us? What is pleasing to God? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And to be clear, Jesus isn't saying that we have to pick one or the other. He's not saying that our outward life doesn't matter. What he's saying is that, is that this just is not the place to start. I think the reason so many of us struggle with genuinely experiencing God or why we have such a hard time actually growing in our faith 
is because I think a lot of times when we when we decide, hey, I actually want to try, like I actually want to commit to this, I actually want to grow in my faith, the very first thing that we do is we jump to this checklist of all the right things, of all the good things that we should do, and we completely neglect the internal mess of our hearts. I've said this before, this part of scripture is so, like, it's so uncomfortable. Every time I get up here and preach, I am uncomfortable. And I'm uncomfortable because it sounds so harsh, like Jesus sounds angry. I may have said this before, but you know what's interesting about anger? Anger is always a secondary emotion, meaning anger is always pointing at something deeper, a deeper feeling, a deeper emotion, and anger is just what bubbles up to the top. And I actually believe Jesus is angry. I think Jesus is angry at these leaders. But do you know what his anger is pointing to? What's the deeper emotion that he's feeling? His love. It's out of his love for us that he cares more about our hearts. It's out of his love for us that he cares more about our souls. It's out of his love for us that he cares more about our minds. We get really, really good at fooling people. We're all like really experts at this. We're really good at putting on a show, putting on a front, putting on a mask, and appearing to everyone that we are doing just fine, that our lives are going well, that we're super Christian, doing all the right things, making all the right choices. And we might be really, really good at fooling each other. We are really, really bad at fooling God. And that's not a scary or bad thing. That's actually a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing that we cannot hide from God. We're moving into what I call the darker months which is just what I use to call like fall and winter. <laughs> and these seasons are typically the time of year where after the holidays, things slow down. Maybe not in Texas, but where I'm from, it actually gets cold. And so you're inside a lot more. And we start to settle into the stillness of life. And when you look at how nature responds to this, how nature responds to the change of season, Think of a plant for a second. The leaves turn brown, they fall off, these outside layers are shed, but what's happening is not that the plant dies, but that it's removing this old layer because on the inside, the plant is preparing for new blooms and new life to flourish in spring. For us, my challenge my hope for everyone in this room is that when you go into Thanksgiving break and you go into Christmas break and you go into these darker months, that you don't waste that season, that you don't waste the opportunity to stop trying so hard to do all of the right things. And that maybe you could actually sit still Resist the urge to keep yourself busy or keep yourself distracted. Let the inner world actually be loud to you 
and invite God into that space. One of my favorite pictures of God is God as this gardener. And if you know me, like I love flowers, I love gardens, I love butterflies. This is very like me that I cling to this image. I love the picture that God is the gardener, that he intentionally moves around this garden and that he doesn't mow over the entire garden when he spots weeds or he doesn't look at a bunch of weeds and think, well, man, that's too bad and lets the weeds just like overgrown and destroy the garden. No, God, God kneels down. He gets close in proximity. He gets his hands dirty in the mud and over and over and over and over and over again, he intentionally plucks these weeds. Over and over and over again, he pulls them out one by one, making way for new life, for new growth. When we care more about what our lives look like as Christians, when we care more about impressing people, when we care more about doing the right thing, about checking off, all these things we are letting our hearts become overgrown and flustered with these weeds my hope and my prayer for us is that we don't waste this season I'm going to invite the band back up because I forgot to do that earlier so I want you to think about this for a second Are you willing to let God actually use these seasons to pull out your pride, to pull out your selfishness, to pull out your greed or your lust or your anger or your misconceptions or your false humility? Are you willing to let God get up close and personal to see the internal messiness of you the messiness that he already sees because my belief is that as we close out this semester and we pick back up in the spring that what I look out and I see is Wesley house and all of you that we're this like healthy flourishing beautiful garden of people because our internal worlds are being transformed that the holy work of God meticulously intentionally purposely pulling out these weeds one by one by one in our hearts that it actually leads to where then our outward lives are truly fruitful I hope that for us I know that's so like hippy-dippy and girly and whimsy and some of you may think that literally did not resonate with me but I hope that for us I hope that we are people that are not scared of our own internal worlds that we don't hide that from people and that we certainly don't hide it from God because we do a really poor job at that so I really want us to be people that are healthy and that are flourishing and that are living fruitful authentic lives and it is so possible We have to let God in.
I did this at retreat. I'm going to do it again. One thing that I've been doing to grow in humility and use as like a genuine surrender to God is praying on my knees. And at retreat, I literally felt the wall of awkwardness of everyone being like, no, we're doing it. We're praying on our knees, people. Come on, I'm doing it with you. Well, I can't bend down because my pants are too tight, but. <laughs> oh, dang it, that's going to be on the audio. <laughs> All right. Will y'all pray with me? God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a God that draws near. It's my prayer earlier. It's constantly my prayer that, that we do not take that lightly. The fact that we get to be in any level of proximity to you is a literal miracle. And I pray we never take that casually. I pray we never take it casually, the cost of what that, what that was, the sacrifice for us to be in close proximity to you. Lord, I pray that these words would not fall short. I pray that we would not be scared to show you who we actually are, because God, you know us. You know us intimately and deeply. And God, that's not a scary thing. That is the best news we could ever hear. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would you wouldn't grow weary of pulling out the weeds inside of us. God, I pray that you would meticulously lean in and rid our hearts of all the messiness, of all the death that just lives inside of us all the time. I pray for these students as they go out and go into family groups and into the rest of their weeks that this would linger with them and that they would see these moments of rest that they have coming at the end of the semester not only of moments of rest, but moments of surrender to you. And that they would invite you into their hearts, into their souls, into their minds, so that you can cultivate beauty and life back into it. God, we love you so much. We are so grateful for your grace and for who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm.